Hey there, this is Jody Clock, and welcome to my podcast. I woke up dead, now what? In our conversations, we'll talk about real issues that everyday people face should they wake up dead without a life after death plan in place. Join me as we explore the how-tos on preparing for you or your loved one's passing without breaking the bank. And let's not forget about those pets too. Now, don't you fall asleep. Hey, I'm Jody Clock, and welcome to my podcast. I had a different idea for today's podcast. The last few weeks have been a little crazy for me, and yesterday I had a very eye-opening experience, which I wanted to share with you. Now, the good news is I'm here and talking about this, and I'm very fortunate to be here and talking about this. The bad news is, at this time yesterday, I was in our local emergency room. Let me share a little bit about what happened to me yesterday. Coming off a very stressful but happy weekend, but let me tell you, there was a lot of chaos and a lot of moving parts. Came into the office, and as you know, my husband and I work in our family-owned funeral home, and, you know, I wish I could get people to die Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, but they don't. So we had a lot of moving parts and a lot of chaos, and everybody was going every which way. And as we were trying to all get on the same page, a heated conversation kind of came up in play. And it it wasn't a bad conversation. However, at this point in time, the decision that uh, I made was non-negotiable. And that's just the way it was going to be. And I was getting some pushback. So as we were discussing this, all of a sudden, my colleague said, my face turned red. But what I remember is that I went, I heard just a a little bit of a buzz, and it felt like I had an ice pick go right in my right temple, all the way out my left temple. I remember holding my head, and they asked me if I was okay. I said no. I walked out of the front office. I went to another area. I sat down. I put my head between my knees. They kept trying to get me to talk. They'd have me look at them. They were asking me what day it was. They were having me smile. They were looking at my eyes. They were asking me questions. My hands were tingling. They said that I was slurring my speech a little bit and that my left eye was drooping. Well, I said, there's just no way. So I stood up. And I went to walk over to the mirror, and I didn't see anything drooping, but both of my hands were numb, and my face was red. Well, they're trying to get me to go to the hospital, and I'm saying, I'm fine. We got too much work to do in quintessential Jody fashion. Well, I'm just too cute to cute to be sick. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to keep keep plugging forward and push through it. Well, my coworker, Todd, said, this just isn't going to happen. Either I'm going to pick you up and throw you over my shoulder, or I'm going to take you down to the ER. So it's your choice how you want to do that. Well, I conceded, and I did go down to the ER. My husband was out on a funeral, so that is why he was out of the equation. As we walked in to the local emergency room, there was a sign that said five to six hours wait. And I certainly was not going to do that. And Todd, nope, keep moving forward. So he walks up. They ask what we're here for. And he explained my symptoms. 
And within 15 minutes, I was back in triage. That was at about one o'clock. I didn't leave there until close to six o'clock yesterday. And during that time, I really kind of had, outside of a big scare, a very eye-opening and amazing experience. What was eye-opening about it is, as I was in my room and moving from test to test, there were people that were coming in from an ambulance. And some people were coding, and I could hear what was happening. And there were people that were not going home that night. And that was very sad because no one expects to go to the hospital that day when they wake up, let alone expect to uh, not go home. So I literally had every test known to man. I had a CAT scan. I had a chest X-ray. I had an EKG. I had blood workup after test after test. And the beautiful thing about it that was a, a marvelous experience was in real time, I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, my wrist, because I have an Apple Watch, you'd feel this bump, bump, bump. And then I'd look down, and my labs were coming back in real time. Well, the downside to that was, is I didn't have my cheater glasses on. I uh, had my contacts in, so I had to give Todd my phone. And so he's reading the results out loud to me, which can be scary. All of a sudden, you become very vulnerable as you know a coworker. Fortunately, he's a dear friend. Um, is reading all of this. The upside is everything was coming back within range and I was healthy and it didn't explain what was going on. So that part was good. But towards the end of the day, they wanted to keep me there overnight and I just, I wasn't having it. I needed to go home. I had come off a very, very stressful weekend personally and I knew that this was from stress. I just knew it. So after a really in-depth conversation with the heart specialist and the neurologist, they agreed if I wore a heart monitor, they would let me go home. So as I'm sitting here talking to you today, I've got a heart monitor and I'll wear it for the next 13 days. They said it was very clear that I did not have a stroke. I may have had a TIA, but they couldn't confirm it. They wanted me to have an echocardiogram and... There was one other test that's a little out of my vocabulary here that is scheduled for me to have with um, my primary care doctors following up on. They felt that, again, based on what was happening, what we do for a career, that it may very well have been a migraine that was stress-induced, but they would prefer to be safe than starry. So I respected that. I came home. And as Dale and I were driving home, all kinds of things went through my mind. How lucky was I that, uh, well, this was scary, that I'm pretty boring. My, my labs were good. Everything was in check. And there are these other people. They're there, either for the duration or they're not coming home. So that led me to believe if someone loved one, if, if somebody's loved one went to the ER and they died, does that family know what to expect and know what to do? Now, fortunately for me, if anything happens, we've got our important papers in place. My husband knows what to do. But most people aren't in tune to this kind of stuff. So number one, if you don't have your advanced directives, that's a problem within itself. But if someone dies, what's going to happen is 
the medical examiner is going to be brought into play. Some people call the coroner, but I always say the ME. And here's the reason. If someone dies and they are not under hospice care or not been diagnosed terminal, they want to make sure that there was no foul play, that there weren't any shenanigans in a surgery, there wasn't anything botched. They just want to do their due diligence. All right, so that's number one. And number two, typically, there's going to be an autopsy to find out the why. And that leads back down to my previous remark, did something go wrong in surgery? If they were having something, did they throw a blood clot? If they went in for an allergic reaction, why did they die? Did their throat close up? There's a, there's a lot of things. Conversely, would you know what to do if you went to go check on your parents, your brother, your sister, even your neighbor, and they didn't answer the door? And after a while, you either had a wellness check or you yourself had the key to the house and you went in and you found them hopefully asleep in bed and they just died peacefully. Or even in their recliner, which we often find that happens to many people, at least who have come through our back doors. So if something like that happens, the very first thing you're going to want to do is not the instinct to call a friend or a family member. The instinct is to call 911. That's what you have to think to do. The police are going to come out. They're going to treat it like there was a crime scene. They're going to look around. They're going to ask you questions. And the medical examiner will show up. More often than not, it's going to be an elderly person, and they may not elect to have an autopsy. But should they elect to have an autopsy, you don't get that call. They're going to want to find out what happened. Did they choke? Uh, Did they take a wrong pill? Uh, Was it a result of alcoholism? There's 199 things that can go wrong. So if you're not familiar with an autopsy, it's not a bad thing but it is more of a definitive thing, kind of a if then else to get to the point. Because if someone died very unexpectedly and they were healthy, there might be something that their next of kin may need to know or to let their doctors know uh, as they age. So if you haven't ever seen an autopsy or heard one, uh, I always kind of laugh, but I encourage you to watch uh, Dr. G, the medical examiner, It's on the Discovery Channel or on demand everywhere. But she is the medical examiner for Dade County. And the things that come in there and the things that they find, uh, I find interesting. You may not, but that's okay. But it explains the autopsy process very well. And just in a nutshell, uh, there's an incision made that's a Y. It goes from shoulder to shoulder. It goes... uh, down the core of your body. They're going to weigh your organs. They're going to take blood. They're going to look at your heart. They're probably going to weigh your brain. They're going to do all kinds of things. And they're going to take everything to the lab. So once they determine that, they're going to let the family know and they're going to let the funeral home who takes care of that loved one, what the cause of death was which leads me to what should you expect? So death happens. The body is sent over to the medical examiner's office and an autopsy is going to take place. What you should expect is the medical examiner is going to reach out to the next of kin and ask, 
what funeral home and or cremation provider they would like. That next of kin is going to be responsible for that decision. So when the autopsy is done and the results are done, number one, the individual is going to be respectfully taken to the funeral home. And number two, days later, once the results come in, that death certificate is going to be able to have uh, the actual cause of death versus the temporary cause of death, which we'll say pending. So that's kind of what you should expect. But I did say something, and again, you don't know what you don't know. Who's the legal next of kin? That opens up a whole can of worms. So let's just go through some hypotheticals. Let's say the next door neighbor's been living to this person and they have no idea if there's children or grandchildren. They don't know if there's a spouse. So that medical examiner is going to have to do some due diligence to find out who that person is and do they have a next of kin? Do they have a wife? Are they estranged? Are they divorced? If they do find out that there is an estranged wife and they are not divorced, that estranged wife is responsible for either signing off some authorizations or locating the people who will help respectfully take care of this person's life, but they are the ones that will direct traffic. Should there be uh, no spouse, they're going to drop down to the children. And let's just say it's not an only child. You know, let's have three or four kids, adult children. Each one of these kids are entitled to one-fourth or one-third of that person. Well, I know not physically, but emotionally in terms of decision-making. So when cremation comes to play, some states make it be a consensus. So all of the children have to agree that cremation is okay because it's irreversible. Or, and they all have to sign, or the majority has to figure out which route you're going to do, burial or cremation. All right, so there's no children. Where are you going to go? It's going to bounce up to the parents. If there's no parents, then it will go to the siblings. Well, that's all good in a normal family, but there are so many families out there that are are different now. Families look different. They are different. Some people never get married and they have a partner, whether it's same sex or whether it's just a reason they they don't want to get married. That loved one should be able to make the decisions. But if this form called a funeral representative is not in play, if there are children, they're going to go to the children. If there is an estranged wife, it's going to go to that estranged wife. So what you're going to want to do is supersede all of that. So again, the form is called a funeral representative form. Any funeral home knows where they can get one. Any pre-planning specialist knows where to get one. And most attorneys have one in their office. So as you're making your end of life plans, you're doing your durable power of attorney, financial power of attorney. If your spouse or anyone else in your family, you don't want them to be responsible, then I encourage you to do the responsible thing and get a funeral representative form. So I just went through a whole lot of stuff, but all of that went through my mind yesterday as I was sitting there waiting for my test results, wondering what's going to happen to these uh, people who were not going home and how their families were going to handle that. So please do yourself a favor, do your family a favor, Make those decisions known, get the proper pieces of paper in place, and uh, make it happen. 
That's my call to action. So number one, thanks for putting up with me today. I am certainly glad I didn't wake up dead and I look forward to talking to you folks real soon. Take care. Hey, if you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, I want to thank you. And I am so glad you didn't wake up dead today. Please jump over to jodyclock.com and download your free copy of my family care plan. This guide will help those you leave behind should you wake up dead. I promise. Be sure to order my book, It's Complicated, based on a true story. Send me an email about topics you'd like to hear in future episodes. Until next time, thank you for not falling asleep.